0: Why don't I invite you to just stand again and maybe now ask a person this? I want you to ask someone this question. What's going to move you to do something? I know, tough question, huh? What's going to move you to do something? Come on, just engage with someone this morning. It's going to move you to do something, amen? <laughs> okay. How about sharing some of your answers this morning? Uh, you can share what you've heard from someone. Feel free to do that. You don't need to tell the person, but it'll be great for me to hear uh, some of the things that you might potentially have heard someone share. Anyone want to give it a go? Okay. Who's, what's going to, what was the question? What moves you? What moves you? What's going to move you? Okay. Anna, you've got something you wanted to say. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, i just saying she, she needed to move, so I was actually to physically push her. Um, I was just saying, if God gets a hold of my heart on something, then I just know I need to do it. And all of the, the peripheral, how are we actually going to get there, all of the details and things, you don't have to worry about. Wow. It's like you don't have to sweat That's awesome. the small stuff. Amen. So. If God gets a hold of your heart. Anyone else? You want to share one of the answers? Come on. She said conviction. Conviction. That when she's been convicted of something, she will move. And then I said, the love that I have felt causes Mm -hmm. me to be moved by the compassion that I feel. Mm, Great. Anyone else? When you see the need uh, in people's lives, uh, that's certainly moving and then from a spiritual perspective, getting a word from God, knowing what to do. Wow, he's already preached my message for this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That's, That's so good. Three men were hiking through a forest when they came upon a large, raging, violent river, something that seemed impossible to cross. Needing to get to the other side, the first man prayed, God, please give me strength to cross the river. Poof! God gave him big arms and strong legs. He was able to swim across in about two hours, having almost drowned twice. After witnessing that, the second man prayed, God, please give me strength and the tools to cross the river. And poof! Again, God gave him a rowboat, strong arms and strong legs. So he was able to row across in about an hour after almost capsizing once. Seeing what had happened to the first two men, the third man prayed God, please give me the strength, the tools. And he added one extra the intelligence to cross this river. Poof! He was turned into a woman. (laughs) She checked the map, (laughs) hiked 100 meters upstream, and walked across the bridge. Maybe that's why we have Amanda as the mayor of the city of KC. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, So what moves you? What moves you? Strong arms, strong legs, intelligence. Maybe that's what we need. As the first woman said, you know, you pray and God gets your heart. And everything else, all of the details aren't as important. Is important. Right? So we want to look at the book of Nehemiah really quickly. I've just got a few minutes here. I just want to summarize what you've heard. Actually, even in the announcement, what you've heard, Amanda, what you've heard, uh, Jason, and, and, and what you may have sensed this morning. And, and the title of my, my very short message today is What Moves You? What is it that, that's going to move you and I? You know, and, and, and that's, an important, that's a, an important aspect. And I want to I wanna begin this morning by somewhat making an assumption, and, and, and I hope it's, it's true of everyone here, that you, you and I, you want to be used of God, right? You want to be used of God, and in that assumption, you've also come to a place where you understand and you know what Christ has done for you, and that you are in relationship with Him. And if you're not, then you know that you can come into relationship with Him. He wants to know you. He wants to know you as, 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 you know, the word of the Lord talks about uh, him being a friend to you. The word of the Lord also talks about him being the lover of your soul. The word of the Lord also talks about him being the prince of peace, the everlasting father. All of that is what he wants to be to you and I. And in all of that has this one aspect there that he thinks the world of you. And so, when he thinks the world of you, imagine what the creator of this universe thinks the world of you. In one of the songs, he, you are chosen. Right. right? He says, we are chosen. So, to be chosen, yeah. to be selected. Right? Before the foundation of the world, he thought of you and he has selected you. Imagine that. So, imagine what, what, what that will do to you if that be the case. Right? And, and in 1 Peter... Chapter four, verse 10 to 12. I'm not sure if you can bring that up in the NLT, but it says, it says this um, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, chapter four, verse 10 to 12, 10 to 11, it says, "God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts." This is what God has given you. Use them well to serve one another. Do you, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, Nehemiah. We're looking at the book of Nehemiah. So, what does Nehemiah mean? It means this: Jehovah comforts, meaning God comforts. That's what that name brings. And and within the within the context of that book, uh, some very key um, uh, themes, and the theme of restoration. He restores and he and he re- and he rebuilds. Right. So the rebuilding of the walls was important because it represents the heart of God in wanting to protect the heart of the people. Because when there is a wall that surrounds, he, what that means is he's now wanting to protect the people, right? That's why when you see all of these movies, the main thing they have is this, they have this amazing wall and it's unconquerable. Right now, in this context, you will see as we read this, this chapter and verse what, what had happened. So these are people whose city has been torn down. They've been dragged away into foreign lands, into what? Into Babylon, into what we now know as the modern Iran or Iraq or Iraq. As some may pronounce, so they have grown as a people who saw great miracles in the wilderness. Right, the crossing of the Jordan. they seen God help them defeat nations upon nations in, and even within, even within the wilderness. And now, they have been taken into exile. Imagine that. What was once an unconquerable people have now been taken into exile. Even today when you go, you've got nations that surrounds Israel that are just consistently wanting to be at war with them. Right? Consistently wanting to be at war. So it's a a great blessing for us to begin to see how this amazing almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth now, intervenes in this setting. Through one man. One man. Could be one woman. Just do one. So, as we look at the life of Nehemiah, we will learn some amazing qualities and services. I mean, qualities of service and, and leadership. One is he was a great leader whom God used to pull off a phenomenal feast, he instilled a vision in God's remnant, in just a few in Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And the amazing thing is, is this, every time when you look at Scripture, doesn't the Bible talk about the few? Doesn't it always talk about the masses? You look at the context of Gideon, how he downsized the army just to 300 people, because God wants to show that he, at the end of the day, is the one that you and I need to depend on. And so when we begin to depend on that, we find that the little that we have becomes amazing in his hands. That's what it is. Amazing in his hands. Right? Now, in spite of much opposition, the the third aspect is this. In spite of much opposition, and believe me, you start something, you're always going to get opposition. I mean, we've got two great leaders here who can tell you a whole lot about opposition. (laughs) Right? Who can tell you a whole lot about it. But what do you do? You don't just... You know, you don't just stomp your feet, but you've come up with strategies. You come up, you you rely on something that can help you go further. So who do you and I rely on to take us that extra mile that we need? You know, when the word of the Lord says that though you walk through the water, I will be there. Though you walk through the fire, I will be there. So God promises you and I heaps of things. I mean, the word of the Lord is full of promises to help us get through to the other side. You know, I used to remember a song when I was, you know, after I became a believer, Believer, I used to sing this, you know. And, and the chorus goes something like this. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. Right? He didn't bring us this far to let us down. I mean, that's not God's, that's not God's intention. It's not his way at all. That's not within his, uh, his, his value system. Right. If we talk about value system, that's not a value of God. God's values is that he'll take us right to the end. Amen. And when the word of the Lord says that, be confident that the work that I've started, I will complete. Yes. Not you, yes. I, yes. meaning the great I am, will complete. Amen. Yeah. So, so Nehemiah, Nehemiah was serving as a cupbearer to Artaxerxes of all people, This king, Artaxerxes, right, in 444 BC, right, and at his winter capital in Susa, when he had a life-changing conversation with his brother, Hanani, and some other men who had just come from Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah inquired about the condition of the city and, and the people, and they responded in this way. The remnant there, in the province who survived the, cap- the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. The wall and gates has been, uh, been destroyed, even in the past, over 140 years before, this time. But this graphic first-hand description of the scene devastated this man. Something happened to Nehemiah. Something moved him when he was there, when he heard that. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed for days, pleading with God to do something about these deplorable conditions. God responded by doing something through Nehemiah. And we learn this. And I want, to, I, I, I want us to probably look at this passage of Scripture, and it says here, then the king uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, early the following spring, this is, you, you can go back and read chapter 1, there's, because of time I'm not going to go into that. But if you read that, you'll see the context between chapter 1 and chapter 2 were four months apart when he heard the news, right? So he didn't just simply just respond. And this is what he says, early in the morning spring, in, in, in the month of Nisan, During the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence because you and I know that in those days, if you appear sad in front of the king, he will kill you because no one could be sad except him. Everyone else had to be happy and had to make him happy. That's that's the way, right? And so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? Why don't you, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. So he sensed something. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried in is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed. Now the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a, with a prayer to God again, with a prayer to God of heaven. I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you go? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also... Said to the king, if it please, the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors and the province west of the Euphrates, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the governor of the forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. So he asked. He asked for letters, right? He put in an application for a grant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he had to go through the department and we'll see what the word of the Lord says, which department he's gone through. Amen? <laughs> so when I came to the governors of the province of the west of Euphrates, I delivered the king's letters to them. Then should I add that he also gave him a bonus. He also gave him horsemen and others to begin to protect him. Right? So this is an amazing thing now. This passage speaks a lot about what we're doing. We look at, the st- we look at our city and, and we grieve over some of the things that is happening here in this city, right? That's one of the key reasons why we call ourselves Casey City Church, because we want to remind ourselves we are about our city. We're not about something else, we are about this city. We're about our city here. So we want to consistently be reminded of that, right? We want to be consistently reminded of the fact that God takes the faithful few to begin to confound the wise. Yes. That's what God, that's what God does. Right? And that's what I love, I love about the Lord. So, so the person here, as we read this, we will begin to come across that the person that God uses must have three things. One is a burden. We can get back to the slide. One is a burden for his people. Two, a vision for his people. And a commitment to his purpose. So it's not just having a burden. It's not just saying that, oh man, I feel, oh, that's a terrible thing. You, you, you're struck with a burden. Now, what's the vision? So a burden must be, must translate into a vision. A vision in order to, in, in order for it not to be a dream, not, not for it, not for us to be daydreaming, has to be a commitment. So the commitment must come, right? I shared with our leadership here after this HASA project, I said, guys, I want you to watch this video clip. It's about building a plane on flights. So the video clip was this plane is flying and they're trying to build a plane while it's flying. And that's exactly what's happening to us because there is, it's already, it's on flight right now. And we've got to start building, we've got to start doing things we need, we need not just financial resources. we need people. We need people that know we need people that are willing to commit. We need people that are willing to go, uh, w- willing to go the, the, the nine yards, you know, in, in that sense. So Nehemiah's burden stemmed from feeling the people's great need, right? Some of us may say, oh my, What we just heard that, that happened at, uh, at Fountain Gate. I was at, the, I was at the community safety meeting and I'm listening to what's going on. And I'm thinking, man, we've got this project now. Right? And I shared about the project to everyone that was there, the police officers and different ones that were there. And, 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 and we've gone beyond just the, oh, my, we're doing something about it. But how many times I've said this, oh, my, that's someone else's problem. Right? Just like in Isaiah, it says, you've heard me say this, Lord, here I am, but send her. <laughs> Not here I am, send me. Lord, here I am, send him. You know, I'm here, I'm definitely here, but send that person, send that person, send that person. And that's how most of us tend to be, me included. You know, me included. So what are some things that we can take really quickly out of this, of this passage of scripture? The needs are so many. If we just respond to needs, I mean, there will be no end. So what do we need? How do we need to discern or begin to understand that's the key thing. And I love the fact that someone, the first very, the very first thing that Anna had said was this: if God captures your heart, if God captures your heart, what He's captured your heart for. So two thoughts. To try and make sense of what God now, how God wants you and I to begin to attend to certain things. Not just here, in your workplace, in your home, anywhere else. Right? This is not just about this city here, but this is about your sphere of influence. That's, good. that's what it is. What is your sphere of influence? Everyone is given a sphere to influence. Right. Everyone. So you need to influence that sphere. And how do you and I influence that, that sphere? One, first, is don't let the immensity of the needs paralyze you so that you don't do anything. I mean, that's just a practical aspect. The needs are so many, but don't let it don't let it paralyze you. Sometimes you hear about overwhelming needs around you, and you run from cover, from um, you run for cover because there is no way to respond to all of them. Right out of emotional survival, we barricade our hearts and we block the needs from moving us. So we end up engrossed in our own pursuit, our pleasure, and ignore the needs of others. Now Matthew chapter nine, verse. 36 to 38, it says this, seeing the people, and this is what Jesus is doing, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and, in, and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. So the key aspect at that point in time, as we see in Nehemiah was this, Pray. I mean, sometimes it may seem like as if it's a flippant thing. But man, if you're talking the language of heaven, if you're talking to the the person that can actually do something about it, then that's the most powerful thing that you and I can do. Just get in. God, I need help. I'm disturbed about this, but I'm scared. I'm scared for my safety. I'm scared for my family. But I know you're bigger than that. So what can I do? What can I do, right? So Lord, give me the eyes of Jesus to see the needs of the people. Second is don't commit yourself impulsively, that is hastily, to something just because the need is there. So don't be hasty, don't be, don't be impulsive, right? The needs are simply endless as you've heard me say, right? Rather wait on God in prayer until a burden comes over your heart. Now, sometimes you may think, man, do I, what do you mean? Wait, wait for so long. How long? You know, how long? God will take so long. But that's, that, that's, that's our problem. We think God is going to take so long. Now, folks, God knows about that problem before you and I even came to encounter that. Before it even happened, God already knew that. So you mean to say he hasn't got a strategy for that? He has. But trying to discern that Because in waiting, we go through so many things deep within us. There are emotions that are at play inside, raging inside of us. Fear, concern, oh, maybe pride. Oh, I want to be the savior now. I want to be known for it. Oh, wow, it's Larry. Yeah, come on. You know, that sort of a thing. No. It's not that. Right? Many of us would rather sit back and allow someone else to go and take... The front line, to be on the front line, because the responsibility is, is great. But we wait, right? We begin to wait. Sometimes we say, oh, you're too heavenly minded and of no earthly use. And if you've heard me say this, man, if you're heavenly minded, you'll be, exceptional, you'll be of exceptional use down on earth, right? Because we're, we're not just going to be a bunch of people that, as they say, sing Kumbaya all the time, right? We want to do something about it. So God will, God will move us. God will move you if you give your heart to the Lord. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. When, we, when you and I begin to say that. So that, that aspect, right? The word of the Lord says is seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you, right? So my point number two is this. The person that God uses has a vision for his purpose. Yes. So you get, this, you, get this, you get this vision, right? And you begin to write it down. I will bring, it says here, I will bring them to a place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. So God has that. Now you begin to, you begin to get this vision. And, and you know, in the book of Habakkuk in chapter two, it <laughs> says, write then that vision plainly on tablets so that those who see it may run with it. it. But I love this next part. For the righteous shall live by his faith. Because it takes faith to deliver a vision. Yeah, right. not, just you, not just our skill. It takes this, this, this immense faith. You know, Matthew 16, 18, it says this, I will build my church. So it's about, it's about God saying that I will do it. Revelations 5.19, it says this, that Jesus purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. So God has paid the price. Friends, we only need to go and take the spoils now. We need to obtain the victory. The victory is there, but to move forward into that place of victory ain't all that easy, right? Within the vision comes then the strategy, Right? And so we see, we see in the book of, I'm going to bring this plane to a, to a landing here. And the third person, I mean the third aspect of a person that God will use is this, that he needs to be committed to that purpose. Right? So you must be willing to count everything lost. That's, that's the kind of commitment that we need to have. That's the only way that things can literally change, that we are willing to really count everything loss. With that sort of commitment, and you've seen, I'm sure you've seen movies, I'm sure you've seen, before you get into a fight, for instance, right, if you're in a boxing ring and if the person that you're, your opponent, and if you're going kind of half-hearted, what's going to happen? That person will pulperize you right? You will end up being beaten like, like crazy. And I remember when I was quite young, when I was in school, I had to represent the school in, in, a, in, in a particular martial arts. And I, I was dead scared of this opponent because of the belt that he was wearing. And I knew that I wasn't up to that stage as yet. So that really... Scared the daylights out of me. But I was so overjoyed that he was disqualified. So then the next person that I met didn't really, you know, it it wasn't that issue. But my point is this, that as I was getting into it, I had to tell myself this mentally. You need, you need to realize that you can defeat this person. And then, the whole game changed for me. And there are so many things that we attempt before we get into this mindset. It destroys us. And you see that so well displayed in getting into the promised land. The Israelites, we know of of what we now term as the grasshopper mentality. They saw the giants... The 10 spies, 12 spies went, 10 spies saw the giants and they felt, no, we can't do this, only two. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, no, if God says that we can do it, we can do it, Uh, right? So they were the only two that entered into the promised land. The rest of them never did because of an attitudinal change, because of a vision that they had, that God had given, which was planted in their hearts. They went, they saw, no matter how difficult it was, they, they said this, man, if God has given this to us, we know we can. So here, Nehemiah now. Nehemiah says this, I am sad. So he was moved with a burden. Then God gave him a vision. And now came men. God is saying this now. What do I do? So he goes to Artaxerxes and he says, this is what the issue is. Can you please give me these letters? Can you give me all of that, right? And so this is exactly what happened to us. We go to our member of parliament and we say, this is what the issue is. Can you help us with this? Now, in his case, it was four months. And in 52 days, he rebuilt, he rebuilt the wall. And in rebuilding the wall in 52 days, he had the likes of Tobias and several others who were coming against him. But yet he taught his people, okay, I want you now to hold a sword in one hand and work with the other. So in other words, he's telling them now, be watchful. Be ready to engage when you are attacked, but don't stop working. That was the strategy that was given to him. So how do we take, so, so, so what's moving you? What moves you when, whatever that moves you, can it move you to a point where you and I then now come to a place where we know, okay, we need to engage in, what well, we need to, we we need to try and deflect all of this opposition that's coming. But I will not stop work. I will not say oh, I'm just plumb fed up of all of this and just give it up. There's just too much opposition. There's just too much opposition. Well, if you want to do anything for God, we've all learned this. We've got to. I hate to say welcome opposition, but say opposition. We know you're coming. Well, we've got a God that can deal with you. We've got a God that can deal with you. Right? So he begins to, he begins to train his people to do that. Right? He, 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 becomes, he becomes the chaplain. He becomes the person that, that trains them in their leadership to begin to venture out and to actually rebuild that. So in two and a half years, two to two and a half years, we suddenly get this because we, like Nehemiah, also realize hey let's go to the governors let's go to all of these political leaders and let's knock on the door and let's see what can we get so they've given this to us so we want you to know that this is absolutely the plan of god that coming to you is, is scriptural where's my bible no i don't have it's here <laughs> it's in the bible's in here so so it's biblical It's it's a biblical method, right? That that we've come and we and we want to thank you. Not that we're putting you on the spot here to try and you know say that this is you know I know you represent a group of several others you know who may not be of the Christian persuasion, and we understand that, and that's great. And you need to help all of that. But in our context, we just want to say this: that we have applied, we have applied the wisdom of God. We had we have applied the ways of the Lord. In all of this, and we just want to thank God for using people like yourself, Jason, Amanda, Pooja, and several of you that God has used to help us and to help several other communities here now engage in a work that can bring a change to the city and to the lives of the people. Two things will happen. Their lives will be restored. Their hearts will be rebuilt. That's what we need to see happen right? Restoration and what's going to be rebuilt, right? Good. So, I want to ask you today if, uh, the team, if the team can come up, that'll be great. As we, as we close. Oh, that's good. As we close. Uh, as, we, as we close this morning, I want us to ask this question, what's going to move you? Earlier, you will ask this question, what moves you? Right? What moves you? So what's going to move you today? To make a commitment. Not just to be part of Hasa. Not just to be part of this project. Now, friends, you know you could be part of this project by praying. That's a fact. And that's not wrong. Because there are some who need to be in the trenches while others just get out there. But these guys are as Important as those that are out there. So right now, you need to, you need to, ask, yourself, you need to ask yourself this. Just play the bottom keys, please. Uh, so you need to ask yourself this. What part do I play? What, what, what part is God wanting me to play in all of this? And the second question is this. What's your sphere of influence? And what has God then being laying on your heart to do.